0: Keep on keeping what you love, you'll find that someday soon enough you will rise up,
1: rise up. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an awesome guest here with me. Ian, how are you, my friend?
0: Very good, Pamela. How are you?
1: I'm doing lovely. Welcome to the show, my friend. It's an honor to have you.
0: Yeah. Great to be here. I I connect with people all over the world regularly and uh, yeah, love hearing all the different accents too. It's cool.
1: It's amazing. Well, now that you're on the Underdog Podcast, you're going to get hit with my number one and favorite question. Well, it's one of my favorite questions. I have lot of them. Yeah. So you're ready for it.
0: I'm ready.
1: All right. What inspired you on your journey to where you are today, my friend?
0: Yeah. So that's a story I've told many times. So in 2005, my dad passed away and From the moment it happened, I guess it had me questioning my current reality. I remember sitting at his funeral and hearing all these amazing things that he'd done and and wondering about my own life and what I'd done. And I didn't really like the sound of what I heard. And I was thinking about, I don't know if other people have been in this situation, but imagining if it was me that people were speaking about and what would they have to say after hearing all these amazing things that he'd achieved in his life and where he'd contributed and given back. Yeah, I didn't really like the answers. And, and I remember having that thought like, okay, things need to be different, but at the same time, it took a fair few years for me to actually get going. So, but that was the moment. And then just started questioning myself and then asking questions and asking better questions than I had before. And that really got me on the path to, to where I am now.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that, Ian. I mean, it's crazy how death can be such a motivator, yeah, you know? Yeah.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. It's, some. Um, loss in general and I think a lot of people's stories they start the same sort of way something happened that was a setback that was at the time perhaps too much to bear but it it allowed them space to to look at well how can things be different And this is one of the things that I talk about in my work is that when you're ready you'll find the gift in your grief and to me that's been the gift for me it's taken me on a journey it's been amazing really and and uh Well, I'd love to have my dad here with us. What that moment has given me has been incredible.
1: Yes. No, thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, the thing is, what's beautiful is that not only you were grieving the loss of a loved one, your father, right? But then you were also somehow thinking about legacy at the same time. It takes a special person to think about that, right? Because in that time, like, I, I mean, I know people who just shut down. I mean, they're not thinking about legacy. They're not thinking about, you know what I mean? Like they're just focused on that, on that loss and that one thing. So I just find it very beautiful that you kind of saw the silver lining, not silver lining, but I don't know how you would describe it. But the fact that you can see the other side like that is
0: beautiful to me. For me, it was uh what it did was highlight my already um, lack of self-confidence in in who I was and what I was up to. So it, it just shone a bright light on that. So it was probably more in that pain, bringing out more of that pain that was already there. So I'm not sure if it was uh, as positive as you would make it sound, but I mean, obviously, I'll take that, and I'll, uh, I appreciate you, <laughs> you coming from that perspective. But I think it was really highlighting my own inadequacies, really.
1: So you had mentioned the grief and then I was reading all about you and I had noticed that you talk about grief a lot and like inner child work, I like to call it. I'm not sure the term that you would put on it because it's something that's really not talked about like ever. I'm like reading, I'm like, okay, this is fascinating to me that you focus on that because it is something that is so ignored and so suppressed in our society, that nobody is really trained. I'm not going to say nobody, but it's very not talked about. And it can lead to many mental health issues. I mean, it can lead to all sorts of things if you suppress emotions, right? I just, my observations have been really interesting on on the work that you do. So I guess we definitely want to dive into that. But I mean, in terms of the grief, because I know that there's people listening right now that might be suffering a loss And what was your experience like and what helped you move past that? Not necessarily move past it because it's something that I'm sure stays with you, but what helped you in that journey of healing? And then how did you transition into working on yourself as well?
0: At the time, probably what it did was it allowed me to release a lot of emotion, of emotion that I had been bottling up. Mm. And I think, again, this is one of the big challenges for grief is that there are times where you feel good. And there are times where you may laugh and you may have positive moments and then you feel guilty for feeling good and for being happy. And and that's part of the thing that we do need to talk about more because they're all okay. You go through a whole range of emotions. And the thing that I've learned is when you go through a, a major moment of grief like that, it's the grief from the event, but it's the tsunami of grief that is associated with that event. That then comes to the surface and continues to wash over you for years, which is the most challenging thing. So for me, how did I deal with it? Well, I kept getting presented with more bits of grief. It was all the unresolved stuff that I had with my dad, all of those different conversations that I hadn't had the courage to have with him, all of those moments from my past where I was looking at through a very negative lens. And so in a way it was almost forced upon me. And then for me, it was like just more things kept coming to go. Well, now what are you going to do? What are you going to, how are you going to react to that? And in the past, I would have been stuck in this spiral of just um, what, I, what I talk about in my stories. I drifted, I drifted for a lot of years. And so when it was uh, what 16 years ago, so I was in sort of early 30s, but it took me till when I was 38 before I really heard an answer that had me pointing in the right direction. So it wasn't just a matter of, okay, this event happened. And then I managed to get through it. We're yeah. talking uh, five, six years of trying to make sense of it all, trying to get better, but really stuck. And so I, that's one of the things that, that I'd love to be able to share it with people is you don't have to be stuck and being okay, reaching out for help. So I eventually spoke to my brother about something that wasn't related to that. It was related to to wealth and it was um, after the global financial crisis where I was questioning what could happen? What could happen when I want to retire and, and then the market crashes and I can't retire? Like, then, then what do I do? And so that led me to asking a question and getting an answer. Where if anyone's got siblings, he did the, the best thing he could have. He didn't tell me what to do, he just sent me something, said, Have a look at this. It's someone I know, pretty good, and let me just have that journey myself. Whereas if he told me you've got to do this, I might've had some resistance and it took me into a world around mindset and learning how you can change your mindset, you can upgrade your mindset. And while that was all really uncomfortable to hear, I also knew that I needed it. So I just tried to listen to as much as I could and learning from this guy about having a mentor and learning from people who have been there and done that, because I guess I was a not I guess, I was a people pleaser and I used to take advice from mm. everyone and then try and keep everyone happy and you keep no one happy, least of all yourself. So to be able to then have this concept of a, a mentor and someone to help me has led me to have since that time that person that he introduced me to end up becoming my mentor and then going on a journey of always having people in my circle that I can count on and, and lift me up. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson from that is it's okay to ask for help. More than that, it's necessary if you want to, to be able to change. Because I got there eventually, but it took me six years. But mm-hmm. after that, I didn't want to wait six years. I wanted to be able to accelerate where, where I wanted to go. And I wanted to change things quicker. And the fastest way to do that is to have someone in your corner who has been there and done that, who knows the journey, who knows the the shortcuts, I guess, so that you don't have to do it the hard way.
1: Right, that's beautiful. Thank you, Ian, for, for sharing all that. I mean, your trajectory is very interesting and beautiful. It really, really is. And it's one that I've seen play out in different ways before because grief can do things, right? Like it can do things. It can force shifts on you. It can force these thought patterns. It can force all these different things. But like you were touching on earlier, the whole grief part with not just your loved one, but with emotions that you had deep down, which, you know, in this crazy masculine culture that we have that says macho man and all these things. How did you finally recognize that the grief was there, that it wasn't attached to your dad, that it had to do with you? This is my experience. It can be totally different, but I'd love your thoughts on this, right? When some people are in this phase where they lose somebody and then they don't associate those emotions with something going on with themselves, right? They just blame everything else around them. Oh, it's because I lost my dad. I'm feeling this way because of this. I'm feeling this. How do you differentiate. First off, grief is one thing. So any tips and advice that you have in terms of the loss piece of it? And then how do you separate the emotions in a way? If that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: No, it absolutely does because I was, I was the same. I was blaming and I put a lot of that blame on my dad like as his responsibility for all these different things. I did get stuck in that same trap for a fairly long time. Even mm. when I was starting to tell my story, it was still coming through in that from that same perspective, through that same lens. But listening guys to Jim Rohn and, and Les Brown, like early days of me learning about personal growth and them saying, you have to take full responsibility for your life, for every element of your life. No, that didn't make any sense to me because I was in blame and I was like, what do you mean I have to take responsibility for something that someone else has done? But it's not about the assigning blame it's realizing that when you take full responsibility you get your power back and one of the realizations was was when I was a teenager one of five siblings I remember making a conscious decision that I wasn't going to fight anymore whatever unfolded in those family altercations I would just accept and I know that was a moment of me giving up my power at the time I didn't know how to deal with it I was highly emotional and still am highly sensitive and sensory But as a teenager, I didn't know, like awkward teenager, really awkward and shy teenager. I didn't know how to deal with any of that. So rather than trying to to learn anything about it, I just said, I'm just going to forget that now. I'll just start. So that started me bottling emotions, pushing them down, suppressing them, and they would come out in areas where I didn't want them to. So it really was when I got into that space of learning from people who had amazing growth journeys. And that, that concept of yeah, taking full responsibility for every aspect of your life, the freedom from that allows you to then yeah take back your own self-control. It's amazing.
1: That's incredible. What you were mentioning about power, that's really interesting. That if you just let life happen, you're taking your power
0: away. Yeah. I think one of the challenges is we've grown up from the people I've spoken to, it's very similar in North America as well, yeah. is that we grew up in a time where we were, were controlled And so we've learned these concepts of trying to control the situation, whether it's family members, children, even control. I was just watching people trying to control the situation now by posting what they think and hoping that everyone else will listen to them. And it's like, you you can't control this, but you can control how you show up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love that self-control. That's that to me, that's the thing. There's too much external trying to control the external and not enough of the self-control and the self-control probably because it's a bit scary because of what you said before, it means you might have to actually uh, allow yourself to feel some of those emotions. And uh, that's part of what I've found is most challenging. You asked before around tips on grief, the actual grieving process immediately after loss. I'm by no means an expert in that. For me, it's when you've come out the other side and you're asking, okay, now what? Like, Mm. where do I go from here? Because that was one of the things that really hit me is for two weeks, everyone's checking in on you and they're saying, what, you know, how are you? And then it just goes completely quiet. Right. And you're like, now what do I do? And that quiet can last a long time because everyone gets on with their life because they kind of have to, but even those closest to you, probably even people in my own family, we are probably doing it to each other as well. I'd have to have a think about that, but you kind of move on, but it's not how you're feeling. You haven't moved on in your head. And so you're processing all of this really big information and emotion. And my tips on grief are, if you're having trouble with grief in the immediate term, then find someone who's an expert in that area. If you come out the other side and then you're looking for answers, then the place to start is is around your own healing. And there are so many different ways. There are so many different modalities out there to start your healing emotionally, mentally, mentally. And uh, and spiritually too, like that relationship with yourself and uh, your community. It's not a quick solution, but there are ways for you to continue to peel back the the layer of pain and and come out the other side and find more of that light.
1: That's the biggest question, right? How do you start healing from that point? And it's funny because I'm a very deeply spiritual person, and like you know, clearing all this, what I call inner child you know, all these suppressed emotions that you have within you. A lot of people think the healing process is like this, like you're meditating in the middle of Bali around trees and Jesus is like right there with you. And like <laughs> this whole thing, right? But like healing is an ugly, ugly process. I mean, like it's not it's not pleasant. I'm gonna say like, it's, it's not a pleasant process. No, it, can, like it can be ugly too. <laughs> it can be ugly too. But like you're releasing all of this, all of this stuff and then how do you stay balanced right so what was the first step you took in your healing and then how did you keep yourself balanced because obviously if you're healing through it for the very first time and you're not used to releasing that type of stuff like how do you stay like in tune with the world i don't know it's it's just it's fascinating stuff how watching people go through these processes and how they've healed in their own Mm. fascinating to me
0: without what before i was getting any assistance i just i did a lot of crying that's for sure. And then when times when I didn't, like or maybe I tried to to hide the tears, which I did at different times, then maybe that would then come out in anger at different times. Not necessarily in good times, right? Like for me, uh, I probably kept it all together at work. So I was really calm there, but then it would come out in places like when I'd got, got home. And so then my family might be on the end of that, which again, that, that just was another one of those things that had me going, this is not right. I don't want to be this angry dad, angry husband anymore. Like I want to actually change that. Once I did get assistance, so that first mentor I talked about, it was him teaching me a whole lot of processes around on releasing. And and one of those was writing letters of forgiveness. And this was probably the, Mm. the first really profound healing moment that I can remember and the letters that you're writing of forgiveness are not for the person you're writing them to, but you're writing them for yourself to release the pain that you're carrying. Yeah. And I can tell that you've probably done a fair few of these and maybe even advise people to do the same, right? Yeah. So I'm writing these different letters to people and, and getting this out. And it's feeling pretty good. And then I'm two and a half pages in writing to my dad with tears in my eyes, realizing, Oh, I might have some unresolved stuff here that I kind of didn't realize that I had, wow. but it was such a release, right? It was such a, well, it was a relief to just get all that out that I'd been carrying for so long. So that was the start of me taking responsibility for it and and stopping the blame, because that's very much where I was at. So that letter was really massive. And then realizing, so you mentioned Bali. <laughs> I, I, so I did end up there uh, <laughs> through you? a number of um, healing places, uh, <laughs> but one of them like... Uh, Yeah, you imagine it's like sitting in a tree and having someone guiding you, but it was like you described, it was like many, many tears, snot coming down your face. Yeah, it was ugly, but I really I really let go of a lot of stuff around my dad on that trip. It was amazing how much I was able to let go of that, and and Bali is a pretty special place like that. It allows, if you're open to it and you know the right places to go, then there's incredible healing energy there, and have been guided there by a number of pretty uh, talented guides I was introduced to this world of energy and deeper healing and like even getting taken to places where she would say, oh, can everyone, like a few people feel like their legs are shaking and people are like, yeah, what's going on there? And it's like, well, we're going down to a place that's got re- really high energy. It's an energy center of the earth and people can feel it. And everyone's looking at each other going, What? like, what is, what is this all about? And then going into this cave and then people having these profound visions coming to them. And I, and I can remember sitting in this cave for about 15 minutes trying to force it, go, okay, give me my vision. Give me my, like, you know, I want all these answers. And then after about 15 minutes, I went, you know what, I'm just going to sit here now. And it's amazing. The moment you just detach and and, and, to, and not worry about the outcome, the visions just started coming to me and I started getting these, um yeah, messages and Again, I can't explain this to anyone who's listening going, yeah, it does, that all sounds a bit made up. And I've had other people say to me when I've ex- explained different other different things that happened in Bali, they're like, oh, you're sure you weren't taking some sort of hallucinogen? And <laughs> it's like, well... You can believe whatever you want about it, but I know the experience I had and I know how helpful it was. And and so that was my, not tiptoeing, but actually getting thrown headfirst into uh, energy healing. Oh, the other one that comes to mind is we went to the holy waters where they have a different fountain for every, each one of the chakras. And um for a couple of the fountains, like no impact, but for three of them, one of them I just sobbed uncontrollably the whole time I was under that water. Another one I was like shaking all over. The other one I can't remember, but I just remember like coming out of the water of those fountains and going, what just happened? Like, what was that all about? And it's like, yeah. So, oh yeah. The third one was like, it was so euphoric. I just didn't want to leave. And so we're holding up the, the locals who just like dip through each fountain really quickly because they do this all the time. And us um, Westerners are there holding up the queue because we're having these incredible experiences. So yeah, my healing accelerated pretty quickly. And then once I had that experience, I'm like, okay, I want to know more. I want to learn more. It's an area I'd always been fascinated in as a kid, the the unknown, the the supernatural. I'd watch TV shows and, and had tingles of, oh, what's that all about? And wanting to know more. So this was like... Um, kid in a candy store, like I'm being reintroduced to something that I'd loved as a child. Yes, I was the
1: same way. I've always had a huge imagination. So I've always been into like magic and like I always believed in it, no matter how old I still do. But energy is no joke. This is a scientific fact. So anyone that wants to doubt these types of experiences, we are electrical beings, we are energy. So it's no surprise to me that there's areas of the earth that there are different energy centers that can trigger- certain vibrations i mean it's just just depends where you which frequency you correlate with i guess yes. you could say and that's why and they call bali the island of the gods for a reason yeah. for a reason i have yet to go there i'm dying to go there for all the reasons that you just mentioned
0: or oh, don't I, say dying.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no dying i would love 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 to go there because it's just i mean it's just insane what the energy can do and and you mentioned getting into energy work too which i also find extremely profound. What was your next step in your process in learning energy work as you stepped out of this experience?
0: A lot of these sort of things for me on the journey just found me randomly or, you know, as we know, not randomly because you're meant to, to find them. So physically, I, my body was pretty beaten up because that's how one of the ways I'd um, self-sabotaged and subconsciously punished myself was through physical pain and injuries that mm-hmm. I'd suffered. And so I learned about acupuncture from someone having an experience where they hadn't had to have surgery because they'd done four sessions of acupuncture. So I'm like, all right, let's give this a go. And I'd had this pain in my foot from, from breaking a bone in my foot that just caused me pain all the time. And um, four sessions there, I've never had pain in there again. Mm. So I'm like, mm, okay, what, what else can we do? And I needed to go back to see my acupuncturist, but I couldn't get there because I was at work. So I tried to find one near my work. I found one. She had these um, energy mobiles spinning, and so we got in a conversation, and I was, I was talking about Bali, and she said, "Oh, you have to go and see my kinesiologist because I think you're going to really like it. So at this point, I'm open to anything. And because you know we had that, we'd had that connection in the session and, and we, you know she was talking the same language. I went to see this kinesiologist, and finding out that you can actually specifically ask to have things cleared, and then learning that each of those are linked to something from your past. i heard the phrase, well, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. But then when you go to someone like a kinesiologist and you realize it is absolutely not your fault, there are moments from your past that happened when you were too young to remember or or you've just suppressed that memory. When you're a young child like and this happened and you did your best to manage that created a pattern of your lifetime, how can that possibly be your fault? And so then starting to... To peel back these layers, yeah, mind blowing. I remember taking um, I've got to take the family to this, right? So I remember taking the family, and I thought we'll, we'll do it all together. So the, the four of us went, and I remember one of my kids going, "Is this magic?" Because <laughs> uh, because because when you're muscle testing and and the kinesiologist, a skilled kinesiologist knows what's going on in your head, and when I say that, I don't mean to say that to scare people. He doesn't know all those. It's not like he can tap into or he or she he can tap into everything you're thinking. If you raise something specific and ask to have that addressed then they will be able to find the root cause and release it and usually it revolves around important adults from your past so whether that's parents or teachers or grandparents or whatever it is and you release it and then you walk out of there like floating on air and then you realize when similar events happen or different moments that used to trigger you don't trigger you anymore you're suddenly like i can't wait to get back there like that's amazing and so then I'm like, all right, I want to learn how to do that sort of stuff. I want to learn how to help people like that because I was already coaching at that point. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, I, I want to learn how to be able to help people to, to release like that because this is amazing. Everyone needs to know this.
1: Absolutely, because it those emotions create blocks in our energy fields, which then block us from living the life that we want because we're yeah. suppressed. We know our energy isn't flowing the way that it is supposed to.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: That release work is. Especially, And I say it for especially for men, just because of the way that the culture is set up of like suppressing. I'm a macho man. I handle this. I handle that. I mean, I've seen it within family members of my own who've suppressed yeah. and suppressed and suppressed. And it doesn't usually ends up in some sort of alcoholism or something like that, because it's it the and then that can Address the pain and numb it and, and whatnot. And I mean, in your experience, Ian, what would you recommend for the release of these? I know you mentioned forgiveness letters and stuff, but maybe talk about this energy work a little bit. And when you started, how you started that process? Absolutely fascinating.
0: Probably actually before that trip to Bali, what I stumbled upon was meditation. And again, one of those moments of synchronicity where I was, I just played golf. We'd gone into the, bar there we were having a drink and there was a secondhand bookstore and because I'd you know I'd had a mentor for a little while and I was learning and he'd give me some books and I'd read them and they were amazing look I hadn't read really books since I was quite young I'm pretty sure I didn't finish either of my um my leaving year at, at school I didn't finish either of those books even though that you know we had major exams on it because that's just how my relationship with reading so I'm, but now I'm like I'm a reader again because I'm like learning things that I actually want to learn about Mm. Not some boring text that they've given you in in an English class. So I started looking through these books and I find this book on um, one of the sports coaches over here, who was known for having some pretty amazing impacts on his players and being able to get the best out of teams that perhaps didn't have the most talent. So I grabbed this book and it was actually co-authored by his wife and his wife wrote these chapters on meditation. And I'm like, Oh, well, if it's good enough for sports people, then I need to give this a try. And she talked about meditation and how she teaches it, but then she also talked about well, something I mentioned before, those sort of supernatural things where she'd learning meditation and, and one of her grandparents had come through to her in a vision. And again, that caught my attention. I'm like, okay, I wanna hear more about this sort of thing. Cause I'd had those sort of experiences when I was younger that couldn't make sense of them. And so I started meditating and realizing that the days when I meditated I was actually calm with my family, no. not always 100%, but significantly more. The days when I didn't, then I was more snappy. I was more quick to anger, impatient. And I'm like, okay, this is actually something that I need to make a priority. And so just learning that just giving yourself that space is really powerful in itself. And then same as I'd done with everything else at that time, might like, okay, find me a better meditation. Find me a guided meditation that will help me with this with that, and then having ones where you might, uh, might have been an anger release meditation and ask you to call in different people and forgive them, send them, well, I can't remember, it. Or maybe putting a bubble around, all sorts of different imagery, and then having more tears of release through these meditations. Wow! And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And for me to be able to go from that place of frustration at the world frustration at myself to be able to find more calm like at the time that was the main thing that I was after so yeah it was massive
1: Wow that's incredible that's incredible and just simple meditations can make such a difference and the mind knows how to heal she's yes. got to direct it it's got to have passage. That's so incredible. I've studied NLP, and so neurolinguistics programming, and that is like what the mind can do is just beyond beyond fascinating. And there are things from your past, like you said as a young child that could be triggering and that could be connected and your it's in your subconscious mind. It's not in your conscious mind. and that's the yeah. hard part is the inner programming you have within. And well, you do have control over it, but it's almost like you got to reprogram it to release all these things
0: exactly right it's the reprogramming and actually not long after Bali, i did do my nlp program as well and i did uh new code nlp which is a little bit different it's more about the process and like um learning timeline therapy and even ones where you were running running up the timeline right yeah
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. go back then, on the timeline front
0: yeah and yeah and then there was one one i remember like standing it was like you were looking over this hole and you're putting things into it. And then I remember the, the facilitator saying to me, how are you feeling now? I'm kind of wondering why this was even bothering me in the first place. And it was like, oh, how weird is that? Language is the software of the mind. And right. if you can reprogram the software through the language, through the stories you tell, then you can reprogram your mind. And yeah. So it's it's just another way of being able to change what was and and produce all new patterns of behavior that you really want.
1: Incredible. I forgot to ask you this earlier, but what did you actually want to be as a kid?
0: (laughs) Good question. Uh, (laughs) Not sure, but I do know that I looked through, I looked at the world through a pretty unique lens, like because I was painfully shy, I was always watching people to see how they were feeling, right? being really highly sensitive kid. And then even when I watched things like sport, I'd be watching the game, but also how the players were interacting on their own team. Are they friends? Do they get along? Is there a connection? I don't remember whether I wanted to be something, but I knew that I wanted to be able to help people from that perspective, because I could see things that I could tell that other people couldn't. Because I remember sitting there going, can't, can't, you see that that's not what that person needs at the moment. Like I'm talking like from the age of around six. So it is interesting thinking about it now that you've asked that question that, yeah, I probably, there probably was a part of me that I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I just didn't. Was there a job that even did that? Probably wasn't back then. Like, I don't know.
1: I love that question because it always correlates almost directly with what the person is doing now. And it's incredible because they say that your programming your uh, inner programming basically is the first seven years of life that your subconscious mind is built within your first seven years of life which is crazy if you really think about it it's absolutely insane so and then after that you go into a different brainwave and then that's when things shift but it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Can I just add there? If anyone's got kids and they and they're worried that they might have done um, irreparable damage to their children before the age of six and seven, like I did when I heard that too, you can reprogram, right? And by reprogramming yourself, it creates a a shift through your children. It creates a shift through your partner, through your parents, through through everyone, particularly your children, right? Because they learn far more from absorbing what we do and who we are than from what we tell them. So if you have got to that point, or even if your children are younger then yeah, just start doing the release work on yourself, start to heal yourself and you'll create a ripple effect out through them as well, which is, um, which is exciting. You can change that program.
1: I love that. I know. And, and NLP, like that was one of the most fascinating things is learning how to actually reprogram the mind through science. Like this is not some like made up thing that people are like, Oh yeah, I don't know. This is like studied proven Science.
0: Same with energy, like you said, like uh, yeah. you know, it's all science based. Muscle testing is very scientific, and, and and I even know that there's a lot of people who have either created or uh, use certain modalities who are now so passionate about it that they're going to do the science to make sure it can be proven. I don't know if anyone's seen Wim Hof. He uh, he got injected by a bacteria and breathed it out of his system in two hours, and they said, "Oh yeah, but you're the ice man. You're you know you're magic." He said no, no, I can teach people how to do this. So he trained, I think he said 1500 people to do the same under clinical conditions. And it's like the doctors are just having their minds blown because like, how can that be? And it's like, well, you know, this is the power of breath, the power of energy, and you can dismiss anything if you want to, but if you're open to possibilities and you, and you truly want to heal and move past whatever you want to move past, then you'll find more reasons to do it than, than reasons to not.
1: I love that, Ian. Oh my gosh. And this is one of my favorite questions too for you. But what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now?
0: I don't necessarily want to change the journey. So I would just yeah. I would just say, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Everything will work out. It's funny. It's something I used to tell myself when I was younger. And then at some point when I got older, I, I stopped doing that. Yeah. Stopped believing it. But yeah, just, just a reminder that everything's going to be okay. And even now, like I, I say that to people, like even though it doesn't feel like it, yeah. I think part of the thing, the last 18 months has really created a situation where people having to face their deepest fears. And, and for many people, that's fear of death. Yeah. When you get to the point of do so much healing and, and connected to a higher purpose, then sure, I don't want to die, but it's not the same fear that it held before. Like I'm passionate about my cause and I'll keep pushing on that whatever May come, and it's just a completely different way of looking at it.
1: I love that. So, Ian, what are you up to in the world in like the next six to twelve months with your coaching and all your awesomeness that
0: you've got going on? I've been full circle on doing one-on-one coaching, then group, then one-on-one. I'm, I'm, I've I've launched a couple of group, new group programs, but it's now far more logical on the on what the healing from grief call it the grief code, that the four main areas that that need to be addressed to you where you want to go and so it's it's getting the rest of those out it's writing my first book the grief code and and telling my story but also telling people like this is what happens this is what's possible and so so they're probably the main things that that i've got in front of me in the coming time but also know that there'll be retreats i i know i'll be taking people back to bali at some point to do some really deep healing. I don't know when we'll be able to do that, but I I have faith that it it will come when the timing's right. So it's just, for me, I continue to do what I'll do, which is continue to peel back my own layers of healing and get more depth of guidance that comes through to me of messages of what I need to do next. To me, that's probably one of the greatest gifts of this journey is the connection to source, to God, to the universe, however you want to describe it where I get messages of it's no longer about like trying to logically think my way through business, meditate. This is the question I have what's next. And I get clear guidance, man. It's so freeing. And, and uh, some of the things that I'll be doing the next six to 12 months, I don't know yet, but I'm sure uh, (laughs) I'll know soon.
1: I love that. That all sounds absolutely incredible, Ian. You you are such a rock star. I love the profound work that you're doing in the world and the healing, and I love your journey. Thank you for your openness, your honesty. It was beautiful to hear, and I love how your life literally has gone like full circle. Now you're helping people do the healing, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible.
0: You're welcome, and, and thank you so much for those kind words. I appreciate it.
1: Of course. Now you've got to let everyone know where to find you, my friend. Where can everybody find you?
0: Yeah. So ianhawkinscoaching.com is my website. Uh, All my handles are ianhawkinscoaching. So if you go onto any of your socials, uh, I haven't dived into TikTok yet, but I'm sure I'll be there at some point. But um, yeah, you'll find me there and join the conversation or I've got a, a group, a Facebook group, The Grief Code, where... We, we get together regularly and I do uh, some of those things that perhaps I wouldn't do necessarily in the public, like we do card readings. And, and even this week, I'm um, I'm diving into dream interpretation as well because that's where we get a lot of our guidance, particularly when we're going through the healing journey. So yeah, ianhawkinscoaching.com, come and um, join the group. And um, if you're ready, you've got to be ready, right? You've got to be ready to go down that rabbit hole and to, and to heal. If you're ready, then uh, yeah, come join us. And I promise you, you will feel better on the other side of that.
1: I love it, Ian. Thank you so much for being here today and for everything. You are a rock star, my friend. Thank you, thank you.
0: The only dream that I've been chasing is my own.
1: So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.